They got their franchise quarterback in Trevor Lawrence. Now, do you protect him? Take Evan Neal, who's played left and right and guard. Do you take Ika McWanu, who some think is as good or better than Neal? Or do you take the pass rusher in Aiden Hutchinson, who's moved ahead of Kayvon Thibodeau? Thomas, hit from behind and taken down. Set by Kayvon Thibodeau. The best player on my board is Kyle Hamilton. And that ball is intercepted. That is the All-American Kyle Hamilton. They took a corner in J.C. Horn last year. You come back with Sauce Gardner over Derek Stingley Jr., who hasn't done much since 2019 when he was great. I have to turn my microphone on. It's amazing how technology works. Every day we get closer to the NFL draft and bottle service. It'll go one way or the other, either bottles because you're celebrating or bottles because you're drinking away the misery. We are almost to the NFL draft, which means first draft has got tons to get to you. Now, you know this. If you've been hanging out with us, you can hang out with us. Every single Monday, we're live on YouTube, on Twitter, uh, on the ESP app, ESPN app, wherever you uh, want to consume us there. But also, you can go back to YouTube or wherever you get your podcast, whenever you want, and you can get all of the glory and fun that comes with First Draft every single week. In the meantime, I'm Jason Fitz, and I'm joined by Todd McShay and Mel Kuyper Jr. today. We got a lot that we're going to get into, gentlemen. Obviously, last week, we got to get into Todd a little bit about his two-week uh, or two-round mock draft. This week, it's Mel's turn. We'll also dive into to the big trade that we had this week. Every week there's a new one. And Mel will give us some uh, different uh, opportunities for guys that we can look at across the radar. So let's have a little bit about that fun. You just saw Mel and you just saw Todd. And uh, we'll bring the guys in to have a good time here. But we'll start before we get to any of the picks that were actually taken, Mel. Uh, we just watched Todd go through this exercise. Todd, you got any advice? Like, did any fan base really rib you about a two-round draft uh, last week? Anybody that Mel should be looking out for? The Giants and Jets fans are, are uh, they're vicious right now. I mean, that's, that's the bottom line because they, they know how critical it is. They've got, if you're a Jets fan, you get picks four and 10. If you're a Giants fan, five and seven, you can't miss. And then you get the second round mixed in with the Jets fans and you got two pick, two more picks in the top 40. So be careful, Kuiper. Those New York fans are going to be after you. Yeah, I'm debating. Do I get him a running back in a second? What do I do with Brees Hall? We'll get to that in a minute, Todd. But you're right. There's always the need the rating of a player, and then you get into, okay, what are you going to do in round two? And round two complicates matters just a bit because you don't want certain guys to drop too far. And, I, and when I'm, inevitably, I'm doing it pick by pick, and I say, wait a minute, this guy can't be here in the middle of the second round, or he can't be here in the late second round. I got to fix this. So you, you kind of redo things to try to make it look right. So it's really hard to kind of you know juggle you know making it look the way you want and feel good about it and filling needs and drafting the players that you think are in that range of area where they're picking. So it's a, it's a puzzle you got to put together. I change it probably a hundred times. I'm supposed to send it to Dane Beavers today. I'll probably wait a little bit on that, but uh, it's, it's, it's an exercise. I'm sure he'll love that. Maybe in futility. I don't know. Very difficult, Todd. And I applaud you for doing I used to do six rounds. I think Jordan Reed's got up today, I was told, the entire draft. So I used to do that uh, back in the day. Gave it up about six, seven, eight years ago. But Jordan's doing it now, and he's doing a heck of a job with it. You can see on the screen there that the full mock draft from Mel will drop on ESPN Plus tomorrow. And, guys, it's not that long ago that I was the one logging in to read both of your very, very long mocks and yelling at you for picks I didn't like for my beloved Raiders in the fifth round. That's what we all do as fans. It's amazing we've figured out the entirety of the draft. So let's get into a little bit of this fun because obviously we don't want to give away too much of the mock. We want you to check it out on ESPN+. Plus. But Mel, uh, let's take a look at some of the harder prospects to draft. And we'll start, as always, because this is what we do with quarterbacks. Did you put one of the quarterbacks into the top ten? 
Uh, to give it away, I will. I'll say I definitely did. Uh, that's a tease. I won't tell you who, uh, but I did. And I'm not going to tell you the quarterback I put, but it may surprise you just a bit. Uh, I think this was the debate all along, Todd, between Kenny Pickett and Malik Willis. Do you go for the talent? Do you go for the guy who's more NFL-ready with uh, you know, 49 starts and be 24-year-old rookie in Kenny Pickett? I think one of them goes. I think Malik Willis certainly, uh, you say he needs time. We've always heard about that from quarterbacks, and they never get the time. You know, Trey Lance played one game in the COVID year against Central Arkansas, yet he was on the field this year. So you, you can get Malik Willis involved, obviously, as a dual-threat quarterback. Uh, in two, three years, he could be maybe spectacular. Or it could be a bust. There is that, that boom-bust aspect of, of some of these quarterbacks every year. But uh, it's going to be interesting to say I do believe, Todd, I do believe that one Kiper. of these quarterbacks goes in the top ten. I may have just may have just a little bit of a curveball for you as to who that player is, Todd, based on what you said last week. Did you think about putting two quarterbacks in the top ten? you got Carolina at six. You've got Atlanta at eight. Seattle at nine. Was there any thoughts of putting two of those quarterbacks in the top ten? I thought about it, and then you make your calls, Todd. And this is what people have to understand in our listening and our viewing audience here. This is not about Todd and I. Mm -hmm. This is about what the NFL is going to do. So we make all our calls. And, Todd, you know what happens when you make these calls? Confusion rate goes through the roof because you get a guy liking a player, another guy not liking him, another guy telling you he's a top 15 yep. guy, another guy saying he's a bottom end of the first round. You got, and then you got to put in a little bit of your own thoughts. So you, you take it all, you figure it out, you blend it together, and something comes out, and you hope you like what it is. Okay, that's what the mock draft is. But I made a lot of calls over the weekend, talked to a lot of people. You try to try to build a consensus the best you can. To answer your question, Todd, I don't think two go in the top ten. I think one probably does. I say probably because there's no certainty that'll happen. Uh, could a trade down occur? Yes, it could. I didn't project that. I project. I was going to project two trades just for you, Todd. Uh, to kind of stuff it in your face a bit because you always give me that, that garbage every week. You hear about the, the rules, and I don't care about your rules. But I only did one late in the first round. Todd. I I tried, but I couldn't do it. Uh, but I do. Th and, and that's the other question: How many quarterbacks actually go in the first round? Okay. I don't have a right. lot of them, Todd. I can tell you that. I don't have many. Yeah, Todd, let's stick with that thought for a second, though, on Kenny Pickett, because he's the quarterback we didn't talk a lot about right there. Is Kenny Pickett, in your mind, the type of quarterback that a team would look to trade up to acquire, Todd? I don't think so. You know, if, if we get into the teens or, or the 20s, then, yeah, I think, I think that's where the trade could happen. I could see a team trying to leapfrog maybe Pittsburgh at 20 if Malik is still on the board. If Kenny Pickett gets out of the top 10, and I've said this all along, we just mentioned Carolina at six, you've got Atlanta at eight, and uh, Seattle at number nine. After those picks from 10 to 19, there isn't a team that needs a quarterback. So it works both ways. First of all, you think these, these quarterbacks could drop a little bit. I don't think they're dropping. I think they're falling into where they should go, middle to late first round range. But if one goes in the top 10, then where does the second one go? I, I personally think it could be Pickett because of kind of the ties that they have with Matt Rule at Carolina, Matt Rule trying to win right away to save his job, Kenny Pickett with the 49 starts, more NFL ready than Malik Willis is at this point. Heck, Matt Rule recruited uh, Kenny Pickett when he was the coach at Temple, so there's a relationship there. So I think Pickett is probably the more likely of the two to go in the top 10, even though I have Willis rated one one spot ahead of Pickett in terms of the overall draft board. So it's going to be interesting. But like I said, you get down to 20. If Malik Willis, well, let's say Pickett goes in the top 10, Malik Willis goes at 20. Then it's kind of a race between, you know, Detroit sitting there at 32, a team like Atlanta could try to trade back in. 
I think Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati is kind of the hot quarterback right now to be the third quarterback off the board ahead of Matt Corral from Ole Miss. All right, let's move on to the linebacker position here because this one's always interesting to me, guys. At the end of the regular season in college football, I feel like we have a, a clear mindset on some of the players and how good they are. But the draft process always changes the way we value some of that. So, Mel, has the draft process changed the value of certain linebackers in your mind? Nicobe Dean and Devin Lloyd have been kind of battling uh, for the top spot at uh, that inside linebacker. And Nicobe Dean is a pure football player. Uh, the bottom line is all those great Georgia players look to him for the leadership, look for him to set the defense, look for him to be the basically the extension of the defensive coordinator, okay? And there's no one smarter in, in this game, football IQ, than Nicobe Dean, the production off the charts. If you go Nicobe Dean, Todd and Chase, this is where you run into a problem here. Devin Lloyd's all over the field making plays, getting through traffic has to work on that but you think about the linebacker position that these two guys play and you think about the needs of these teams once you get past say the Eagles if you give one of them there maybe New England good luck Todd trying to find a landing spot maybe one of these two drops into the early second round because of that we talked about running back being not phased out completely because you still had a couple running backs in the first round last year right but you may not have any this year, but linebacker, that off-ball linebacker, it's hard to find a spot. And they are being a little bit phased out, or at least the, the value not nearly what it used to be. We used to have linebackers galore going in the first. If you put one of those two to the Eagles and you don't put a linebacker like that to the Patriots, Todd, I don't know where you go in, from 20 to 32 unless you project Kiper, trades. I'm, I'm telling you, man. Really do that. Then, you got, then you got one drop into the second round, Todd. Yeah, and I'll be honest, I've been shocked. With the phone calls. And I really started picking up the, the pace with the, the phone calls, as I always do, the first week in April. And I did it before my mock draft came out uh, over a week ago. And, and I wanted to just get an opinion on where do you guys have players. Nicobe Dean, I knew I had a higher grade than, than most people on. And, and I, I personally think he's one of the 20 best football players in this class, maybe one of the best 15. But there's, there's concern about the arm length concern about the speed, concern about the measurables not matching up to the production in, at college. Well, I've, I've told you before, and I'll say it again, I'm going to die on the Dean Hill. That's fine with me. I, I'm going I'm to have him ranked too high. He's going to get drafted way lower than where I rank him. He's going to be sitting on the next available McShay list for a long time come, come uh, Thursday night of the draft. But I've been told by multiple people that they think there's a chance, and, and in fact a couple teams said, we have his teammate, Quay Walker, who's a really good player, but he, he, he's not Dean on tape, but he's longer, he's faster, and they think there's more upside. That They have Quay Walker rated ahead of Dean, which was – I don't know if it was shocking to me because it's been building, and I kind of thought that something like that could come out when I talked to teams, but I just don't see that on tape. The best player on that defense every single game is N'Kobe Dean, yet there's a legitimate chance, as you were alluding to, Mel, that he's still on the board when we, we finish up Thursday night and waiting all day Friday – to get his name called probably in the first five, seven picks. There's a legitimate chance that Kobe Dean is in a first-round pick, and that blows my mind. So if that's the case, Todd, let me jump in here quick. Let's look at Devin Lloyd, Mel, because you mentioned how close these two are. What is it that stands out about Devin Lloyd to you? Well, what stands out, he didn't run as fast as I thought he would. I thought when we were at the combine, Ty, we saw Devin Bush and Devin White run 4 4 3. Uh, back to, you know, right? One runs 4 4 4, one runs 4 4 2. Yep. I thought you'd at least see a 4 5 5. We didn't see that with Devin Lloyd. That makes me wonder if he'll, in fact, go in the first round. 
I really think N'Kobe Dean's not getting out of the first, Todd. i just give you a little hint there. I talked to some teams that really love N'Kobe Dean, okay? And don't buy into this, you know, the measurables. The bottom line is who's the football player and, who, and projecting a guy who wasn't as good in college to say he's going to be better in the NFL – Good luck on that one. So I think you know what you're getting there. You're getting a combination of Jonathan Vilba and Levante David with N'Kobe Dean. If you are, you're going to be pretty happy. David was a second-round pick. Jonathan Vilma was a mid-first. So to me, one of these two could drop into the second. I think there's two teams possible that could take them. Maybe they go both in the first, but it's going to be really interesting to see how this shakes down come late April. Which is what's always interesting to me, guys, because I keep thinking about the bottom of the draft and how we see really good teams land really good football players. And sometimes it's just it's simpler. It's just, it, it, it's just easy to figure out at that point, hey, he's really good. Let's draft him. All right, let's move on to running backs. Mel, you mentioned running backs and, and whether or not they're devalued at this point. Uh, we're two and a half weeks away. You got any uh, that have moved their way up into the first round for you? They are because teams have them. They got, they got tons of them. They're, they're, they're out there. Teams have two, three. Uh, there's not that need for a running back, that desperate need. And we go back to a few years ago. Remember when we had Jonathan Taylor? He's had a great career so far, right? We had you know, DeAndre Swift, good football player. We had J.K. Dobbins, really good player until he was hurt this year with the Ravens. And we had Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Okay, these two are considered to be, I'm talking about Brees Hall from Iowa State and Kenneth Walker III out of Michigan State, as good as that group. Okay, problem is that group, you only had one in the first. That was the end of the first, and then three in the second. Now, that tells you why we are where we are with running backs. These guys have been outstanding, right? But they didn't even go in the first, and one went at the end of the first. So for Brees Hall, is he a first-round running back? In 1985, he's probably a top-ten pick. But we're not in 1985. Kenneth Walker, the third, 85, is probably a mid-first-round pick. Maybe another one sneaks into the first. But we're, we're going to probably not even see a running back in the first round. ETN and Harris went last year. Okay, I don't think so, Todd. I thought about it. I wanted to do it. Uh, kind of spite you a little bit and say, yeah, Kuyper, I didn't believe in running backs. I didn't put, I'll tell you right now, I didn't put one. Okay, I didn't put one in the first round. And the team that I had in the second round taking Good. a it's about may not time like you the followed pick. your own They have a running rules. back that they like from last year's draft. So we'll see how it goes, Todd. Yeah, I, I just don't think, listen, I like both of these and they're my top two backs. I, I have Walker ahead of Hall just slightly. I think by two spots on my board, both in the top 40, but neither in the top 32. So to me, they belong in that early second round range. I don't think they're as good as the premier backs we've seen in recent years. But I, I listen, with Hall, you need kind of that outside zone, patient runner. He has to fit the right system for him to have value. He's, he's an adequate pass blocker, very good pass catcher. I think if you're just, if you're just drafting on running ability alone, Kenneth Walker's a better runner, just in terms of how, how he accelerates, how he gets through the hole, how he runs low to the ground, versus Hall is kind of patient and waits to go. And yeah, he has that great 40 time, but it takes him a while to build to that speed. And as a running back, you worry about how long you're going to have as a runway to take off and get going. So uh, there, there are negatives for both of these guys. I, I all the, the pass blocking is, is just adequate. With Walker, I've said this before, he's going to make a career decision whether he wants to be a pass blocker. He didn't have to do it a whole lot in college. When he did it, he looked timid. He looked out of place and just like he didn't have that aggression that you look for. Even if you're bad at it, come at it aggressively like he does as a runner. That's why it's so so strange to watch him. But he's going to have to make a decision in that area. If he doesn't pass block, he's never going to be the player that he can be at the next level. If he does... Best, the best running back in this class when we look back on it 
three, four years from now. So a lot of the conversation we're having right now has to do with positional value, linebacker, running back, what do we do? Well, there's also a question about injury and the impact that that has on draft prospects. And there's a couple of them with Jamison Williams and David Jabo that are both facing injury. So, Mel, how did that factor into your mock? Made it hard, uh, Jace. Made it hard to do uh, yeah, in terms of the first round because Jamison Williams, we knew, would have been a top 10 pick, but the injury occurred. Obviously, national championship game. Is he going to be back in October, November? He can help the team win the stretch run. I put him in the first. I wanted to tell you where, but he's in the first. And David Ojabo, I struggled with because I got some intel saying second round. And then someone said, well, he, uh, the right team wants to take him in the late first. They could. Okay, I don't see the difference. They, they, you know, the injury occurred later, but you know he could be back as well late in the year. And even if he isn't, you're getting a top 15 guy who's a pass rusher. You talk about positional value? Are you kidding me? This is a pass rusher with one year, but it was a dominant year, opposite Hutchinson, and limited football background, so he's still learning. You look at a guy like Ojabo, if you can get him in the late first, early second round, you take him. So I think uh, you know, we'll see to, uh, you know, on Wednesday where I had Ojabo, but I, I can tell you definitively I have Jamison Williams in round one. Yeah, Jamison Williams, the closer we get to the draft, the higher I think he's going to come off the board. And, and it's just because you know the recovery is ahead of schedule. I think as you evaluate these receivers and you're watching the tape of this guy, it's like it's just so obvious that Jamison Williams is the best receiver of the group. Can you be patient and wait till late in his rookie season to, to get what you're hoping to get back in return for that, that mid-first-round pick, let's say, if that's where he comes off the board? Or do you need something now? I think that's what the, the decision-makers are having to kind of look and, and, and say, what, do I want a lesser player when it's all said and done? Or do I want the best player and I'm willing to give away half of his rookie year just to make sure that he's ready when he comes back to play? That's basically the decision. I'll say this about, about Ojabo. I love his story. I love his speed. I love his bend. I love his spin move. I love his pass rushing ability. He's not a great run defender. So you're probably looking at a guy that's going to need a year or so to get stronger versus the run. His football instincts are not you know, at the elite level yet because he started football late in his career. And again, I love his story and just where he's come from, the path he's had to take to get here basically playing as a reserve for a couple of years before having this monster breakout season. And you hate to see this for, for young men who have worked so hard to get to where they are, have a chance to make $15 million as a top, uh, top 15 pick in his first his rookie contract, guaranteed money. But I will be shocked, Mel, and I hate to say this, but at talking to everyone in the league, and, and listen, I heard the same thing. You know, maybe someone takes him late in the first, but I'll be really surprised if he goes in the first round. After just, you know, considering the fact that he's still developing as a player, just the one season, not great versus the run, and you injury to it, I think he's a second rounder. Yeah, and the thing is, Todd, if you're in the late first and you're not picking into the late second and somebody's going to take him in the early to mid-second, you say, okay, well, they're happy to take him in the early to mid-second and, and not redshirt him, but hope he comes back at some point in time. And then we could have had him. And we're a better team, and we can afford that because the team's picking in late first or your quality teams that don't necessarily need an impact right away. And we're talking about a pass rusher, which are hard to find. And a kid that, as Aiden Hutchinson said, boy, he's just learning. He doesn't know what he's going to know in a couple of years. And when he does, boy, he's going to be great. And they were amazed that we was able to do this year with, like I say, as you say, limited football background, and the knowledge will keep expanding. So I think it's going to be really intriguing because of the position he plays and the ability to get after the quarterback and the potential he displays as a double-digit sack guy moving forward in the NFL. Yes, you may have to wait a little bit, but you're waiting on a guy who can be really impactful. He's a great kid. And like I said, he, you talk about you know, untapped potential. 
and people love to be able to be coached up, and we, we haven't had him hit that ceiling yet. He's not as good as he's ever going to be, like some of these guys are. Uh, that's David Ojabo. So I, I think it's going to be – I'm with you. I think uh, in terms of a lot of people say second round, but the right team in the late first, they say it for a reason. And if he gets into the second, where does he go? Uh, it's going to be a lot of intriguing storylines uh, come April 28th, 29th, and 30th. Well, one intriguing storyline we obviously have revolves around the center position, and that's always a difficult one for people to evaluate. This year, Tyler Lindebaum, uh, potentially a first-rounder, but I hate saying this for a little guy. People keep talking about how short his arms are. Mel, how did you navigate Tyler in this in this mock? Great football player, uh, but he's not that big, and he has the short arms. And uh, but you know, he's got the wrestling background. He's a versatile athlete. He's a guy who just played for Kirk Ferentz in Iowa. We know what that means. You're about Marshall Yanda, he went in the third round. Why? Because he didn't have that arm length either. You think about where we are with Tyler Lindemann. It's positional need area for teams in the first round. And you go to okay, Baltimore at 14. Is it high? Yes. Could they trade down? and look at Linderbaum, yeah, they could if you want to project that trade. But they have other neat areas, right? And they do have some guys, some versatile guys they can plug in there at center. Then you go to, okay, Jacksonville. They pick in the fir- their first pick in the second round, right? And then you have maybe the Jets. Are they going to make a move? What are they going to do? I think you look great in a New York Jets uniform, solidifying the line with a young quarterback, Wilson. You had it with Vera Tucker last year. Beckton up the speed at left tackle, fan at right tackle. You added the other guard. Now you got something going here if you bring in a Tyler Linderbaum. So it's, it's a limited number of teams, Todd, that would be able to say, hey, we are targeting Tyler Linderbaum in the first round, considering the short arms and the fact that, you know, you didn't obviously come into this process. You came in process with momentum. You didn't continue it. So I had a tough time. I struggled with where to put Tyler Linderbaum. Yeah, I, I had him at 31 to Cincinnati. And I know I think they brought in what Ted Karras was it to their center Ted spot. Karras, yeah. Regardless, mm-hmm. I, I mm-hmm. yeah I, I looked at it as an upgrade because Karras. Let's face it, he's not he's not the long term solution. But if they have to live with him for a year, they can live with him. Uh, but ultimately, you you hit it. It's Baltimore at fourteen, and then there really isn't another team down until Cincinnati that has a need at that position. There's only thirty two of them in the league, right? And and so and, and most teams have quality centers at this point. So. I think it's going to be really tricky for him because Baltimore feels feels too high, even though I love the player and I think he's going to be a top 10 center in the league. I really do. And I think early in his career, this guy's ready. But to me, Linderbaum, it's just a matter of circumstance where he winds up going. All right. Uh, Mel, you told everybody earlier, and by the way, you can check out the mock on ESPN Plus tomorrow. Mel, you referenced that uh, there might be a trade in there. Want to, want to give anybody a little bit of a sneak peek of what uh, Mel Kuyper Jr. thinks could be the trade? No. Okay, that was, and there we go. It, it was that simple. Yeah. See that—that's Mel keeping it the all behind. The ultimate salesman. <laughs> it's my job to try and it's stir it. It's always about the Kuiper brand, man. <laughs> the Kuiper brand. Oh, that's why you got to check out Mel's mock on ESPN Plus. And uh, Mel, I, I pray for your mentions because, like, we all know. And Todd just went through this last week. It, it, it is always brutal out there. But I know that, especially my beloved Raiders, already won the first round of the draft. I don't draft. read any of it, Jason. Oh, I don't come care. That's see. <laughs> See, Mel, now, now everybody knows they're talking to a wall. That's not fair. All right. He doesn't care, and he, he doesn't even exactly. know how to get you're wasting to your time. You're wasting your time yelling and screaming at me, guys. Everybody <laughs> out there is going to be typing in their little comments. We, hey, I'm not going to read them. I'm not going to see them. So, hey, don't, don't give me anything, okay? Or give them to McShay. Save, save you all your, your hostility for McShay. Uh, you're wasting your time trying to give it to me because I don't see it. I appreciate that, Mel. That's the single nicest move of all time. <laughs> Kuiper just shifted all of the Twitter hate. All right, we'll get into some yeah. trades and everything else. Uh, but first. <laughs> Of course, with a safe uh, return to live events, you can actually be there to catch all the action in person with Vivid Seats. 
That's right. Every alley-oop slam, every one-timer, every sideline grab can be experienced live. And with Vivid Seats Rewards, you can earn rewards like free tickets. Who doesn't love free stuff? All you have to do is collect stamps, redeem, and repeat. It's that easy. From upper level to court side, Vivid Seats has you covered for all the events that matter to you. So grab your tickets today and cheer on your favorite team from the stands. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Life happens live. First Draft, of course, is also brought to you by GEICO. GEICO asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. After all, who doesn't love a great deal, right? And when it comes to great rates on insurance for all the things in your life, GEICO can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners, condo, or renters coverage. You can save even more with a special discount when you bundle your coverages. Plus... Add the easy-to-use GEICO mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance and more. And choosing to switch to GEICO becomes an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save with great rates and discounts. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com to get a rate quote or contact your local agent and get started seeing how much you could save. All right, we had a trade. I feel like there's draft news and trades every single week. This week, the Eagles sent picks 16, 19, and 194 in the sixth round to the Saints in exchange for pick number 18 and number 101 in the third round, number 237 in the seventh round, and a 2023 first-round pick and 2024 second-round pick per sources. If your mind's blowing up, go to ESPN.com. It's all there. So Saints now at 16-19, Eagles at 15-18. When you look at all of this equity, does it make it, in your mind, Mel, a foregone conclusion the Saints are going after a quarterback right now? It doesn't to me, and I I think they have some other areas of concern. Wide receiver, left tackle uh, being areas that they could address, safety they could address. So there's a team that if they feel good about where they are with Jameis Winston coming off the injury, then you don't get it. And let's face it, the one thing we got to realize is when you talk to people in the league, they don't love these quarterbacks. So we can all say, well, if this guy slides, this team's going to go up and get him. Or this team's going to make a trade. They're going to be a great. They don't like these guys. Okay, bottom line is the, the league is not excited about these quarterbacks, at least the ones I talk to. So this notion that there's going to be these teams that are going to go up and get this quarterback that slips a little bit may not happen. So uh, the Saints, uh, they have other positional need areas, guys, and, and uh, quarterback is not a, a lock that they would go that direction, even though they have that extra first-round pick now. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that they believe they're closer than maybe the public believes in terms of making a Super Bowl run. And they got James uh, – they got Jameis Winston come, coming back for two more years. They believe that he's a quality quarterback, and he can be when he's healthy. But the bottom line, as you mentioned, Mel, they need wide receiver help. They need offensive tackle help. I don't think they made this deal specifically with this in mind, but by getting up at 16 and getting one of those picks from the, the Eagles, they get ahead of the Chargers, which is another team in that range that needs an offensive tackle. And let's just assume for a second that Evan Neal from Alabama and NC State's Iki Iquanu are off the board. Charles Cross is likely to be off the board for Mississippi State. The next tackle up and for most teams, at least in my opinion, is Trevor Penning from Northern Iowa. And this is the range that he's expected to go. So it wouldn't surprise me at all with that first pick at 16 if they go Trevor Penning. They lock down the tackle spot. Then which wide receiver is still available? We, we know pretty much for certain that Garrett Wilson from Ohio State and Drake London from USC are going to be gone. Probably Chris Olave, Wilson's teammate at Ohio State as well. But is, James, uh, is Jamison Williams going to still be on the board? That's a question. And would they be willing to take him if he was still there with their second pick in the first round now? And if he's not on the board, then you get into Jahan Dotson from Penn State. 
uh, Traylon Burks from, from Arkansas. So it'll be interesting to see. I actually gave him Jordan Davis because I had, I had Williams coming off the board a little bit earlier, and I, I just thought that this was a, a good spot to get a value pick with a nose tackle and both of their defensive tackles who are good players. But both of those guys are free agents after next year, and this would provide for the future and also give them a great rotation on the inside next season. Well, speaking of next season, I mean, the Eagles pick up a, a pick they can use next season, but they still sit at 15 and 18 this year, which is interesting because that means they're sitting an, ahead of both of the Saints' picks through this dra- whole draft process. So when you look at the Eagles, Mel, what are they looking for at 15 and 18? Yeah, Chris Olave with awfully, awfully good in an Eagle uniform uh, with Devontae Smith off the kind of year he had, helping out Jalen Hurts, which is a, obviously a decision-making year for them on Jalen Hurts. Uh, you think about a linebacker, and Nicobe Dean to me would look awfully good because they don't draft linebackers well. This is a guy who could be the centerpiece of a defense or a Devin Lloyd at that particular point. They always like pass rushers, defensive back. There's a versatile kid that I love named Daxton Hilltod. Uh, slot corner, he can do it all in a secondary. He was a five-star. Yeah, I love him too. Safety coming out of high school. Done a heck of a job. I mean, he's a guy that he's 13 on my big board, Todd. I got him in the first round. I want to tell you where, but he's going to be one of those pieces. Everybody says, well, you got to get a corner. Oh, yeah, and if yeah. you, Hill is a safety. He's a, he's a slot corner who can do so much from a versatility. He's long. He's athletic. He's got speed to the football, Todd. I love Daxton Hill from Michigan. Yeah, Daxton Hill would, would make sense. I, I actually gave him the Eagles, Trent McDuffie. He was sitting there as a value pick, sitting at 15, and it put him off, uh, opposite Darius Slay, and now you got a great cornerback tandem. Uh, and then I, with the second pick, I went linebacker as well. I had Devin Lloyd there from Utah. We talked about them before, and I had N'Kobe Dean going a, a few spots later to the Patriots. But I could absolutely see Dean. I have Dean rated ahead of Lloyd. That's not going to change. I, I don't care how it plays out in the draft. I care how it plays out on the field moving forward. And I think Dean's the best linebacker in this class. Yeah, it hits me, though, that the Eagles, through all of this, have 10 picks in this draft. They picked up more capital for next year. They have 10 picks in this draft. The Eagles are in a good situation to make themselves substantially better come uh, the end of April in Vegas. All right, we're going to get Todd's thoughts on uh, some spotlight players that maybe uh, have been difficult to analyze. But first, support for this podcast and the following message comes from Supercuts. Hair has a way of growing back faster than we wanted to, and somehow it can feel like we need more haircuts than we have time for. Luckily, Supercuts is here to make grabbing a haircut easy. Supercuts is here for you if you're someone who needs a haircut but doesn't think they have time for a haircut. Aha! No more scouring the web for salons with availability. You can use the Supercuts app, find the location nearest to you, and check in or... Just walk in. Another bonus. The salon shows estimated wait time so you know exactly what you're in for. As for the cut itself, it's always super solid thanks to Supercut's highly trained specialists. Get in, get out, and get to that thing you needed a haircut for. Whether you've got a first date or a vacation coming up or you just want to look good, Supercut's makes getting a haircut effortless. It's not just any haircut. It's Supercut's. Check in now on the Supercut's app or on Supercut's.com. We will all have our hair looking as perfect and proper as possible when we get to Vegas. Todd, it is time for you to give us the spotlight. Some players you've got your eye on that we need to break down a little bit more. And we start, of course, at the quarterback position with one Matt Corral. What's on your mind? Yeah, Mel was mentioning earlier, and I was biting my tongue because I knew we were going to get to this later. But it's amazing talking to people in the league, how varying the opinions are this late in the process. With Matt Corral specifically, and and part of it, let's, let's face it, he's – He's got a live arm. He's got the quickest release of any quarterback in this class. He's mobile. As one GM said, that dude's down there is Braveheart. Like everyone follows his lead and, and everyone believes there's no way they're going to lose a battle. But you've got a quarterback who loves to run. It's a big part of his game. He's undersized. 
and staying healthy is going to be a concern. Downfield accuracy is a concern as well, as I saw on tape and confirmed with, with other people I talked to in the league. But interesting on Corral specifically, I talked to one team, a high-ranking scout on one team who's part of the decision-making process, who said, we're still debating Corral, the quarterback potentially is the first one on our board. And this team is a team that potentially could draft a quarterback in the first few rounds. Then I talked to another team that said they had Corral as the fifth quarterback behind, obviously, Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis, Desmond Ritter, Matt Corral, or, I'm sorry, and, uh, and Sam Howell. They had Corral at number five. And then I talked to two other teams that said, yeah, there's just too much stuff there with Corral. We think more second-round range. So you go from potentially like top 15, top 20 pick to second round. That's a huge difference. And the first quarterback on one team's board and the fifth quarterback on another. So I found that fascinating. It's amazing that all these notes I've got written down and how you, if you go and read them, it's like you're talking two different languages, how, how different, the opinion, different the opinions are on these guys. Another player that jumped out, George Karloftis from Purdue, defensive end. Some teams love this guy. And it's a scheme fit, I think, because he can play a little bit inside. He's got that power. And, and you're looking for a power end. He wins with his first three steps, converting quickness to power, and then with effort. But as a pass rusher, your job is to get home. He gets to the front door, and he rings the doorbell a lot but he doesn't break down the door. And that's the frustration with him. He had 14 and a half sacks as a three-year starter at Purdue. And the production and the finishing is not quite there. So some teams I talked to said second round. Some other teams I talked to said top 15. It really comes down to the team and what they're looking for in, in that edge player and the versatility, or maybe the, if they have a multiple front, a three, four, four, three, multiple front. But Karloftis is a, basically a round range from, from middle of the first into the second round. The next player, Kair Elam, cornerback from Florida. I love this tape for the most part, and basically when I talk to teams, there's a lot of the same stuff. Press zone corner. At his, he can play multiple you know, uh, coverage positions. He can play on the inside. He can play on the outside. He can play press man. He can play press zone. He can play off. But he's at his best in a press zone coverage situation where he can use his eyes, very instinctive, corner he's got good size six uh what is he six one and a half 191 pounds ran a four three nine in 40 yard dash speed's not a problem six interceptions in his career good ball skills but it's interesting he's physical in coverage but he's not as physical and aggressive versus the run teams are afraid of that especially if you're playing a lot of that zone coverage Elam I heard some teams say late first I heard some teams say solid second I had actually had another team the last call I made just a few days ago, say uh, early in the third round. So you're talking late first to early third. That's a huge range. And then finally, the last player, Christian Harris, the linebacker from Alabama. Mel, I don't know what kind of intel you're getting on him, but it's been wild. Second to fourth round, I've heard, with Christian Harris. I mean, he's an undersized linebacker. I get it. Six foot and a half, 226 pounds at the combine. Probably plays around 230, 235. But he ran the second fastest 40 time of all the linebackers at 4-4-4. Had his best game late in, in the national championship, his last game, in that loss to Georgia. He was all over the field. He got better as his career progressed. He flies around the field. He is a missile versus the run. He can cover. And he can get after the quarterback a little bit, too. You see the five and a half sacks in 15 games last season. But Kipe, 
I, the the knock on him is the football IQ. He's a tick late diagnosing. They're worried that that's going to cause him more problems in the league. Why wasn't he that alpha dog, the quarterback of the defense, like all the great linebackers coming out of Alabama with Nick Saban have been? So you're talking second to fourth round range with guys that I talked to in the league. Yeah, it was a good call. One of those guys and Carl Loftus, Todd, is the guy I'll highlight. I'm with you. Change of direction. He doesn't have the length. Uh, you look at a guy that some think third round. This is a guy some people thought could be the number one pick in the draft. I saw that based on October. I think even Reese Davis was talking about it on college game day one Saturday morning when I, I tuned, tuned in. And there he's talking about George Karloftis could be number one over Hutchinson. So it's been all over the place on Karloftis. Where does he settle in? Probably late one, maybe Kansas City, but more than likely second round. So again, you're talking about a guy that uh, certainly I think can be in a rotation. It will give you everything he has. He's a blood and guts football player. Uh, to me, uh, he's one of the more intriguing guys that we're going to keep an eye on in late first round, early second round. And Harris, I have a third, fourth round grade. I'm with you on that. A guy that I think is moving up a little bit, and I know there'll be some mixed opinion, but he's versatile. He was a safety early on, was a quarterback in high school, and I thought he had a really solid career at Nebraska as Cam Taylor Britt, Todd. Uh, I'm hearing he could get into the second round, no later than the third round. Uh, nice football player. You're looking for some depth at that cornerback spot. There's a lot of guys that are, are, are looking at those corners after that top group and saying the second, third tier is not that strong. Cam Taylor Britt has jumped in, and Tyquan Thornton at Baylor. He ran a blistering 40 time. Yet when you watch him on tape, you know, you see the speed, you see toughness. He's got that slender build, but he goes in the middle, in the traffic, in the middle of the field. He'll block. Go back to the Oklahoma game, the Sooner game. He blocks, okay? So here's a guy, runs fast, catches the ball in traffic, snatches the ball with his hands, and he blocks. So Tyquan Thornton at Baylor is going to be one of those underrated guys, Todd. I know I'll be screaming about it on day three when he's still on the board that somebody should grab Tyquan Thornton out of Baylor. There's yeah, one I've got guy. another guy we're, we're going to be screaming. Yeah, go ahead. Go well, ahead. Todd, you, you were just doing my job for me. I was going to give you another guy we're going to be screaming about. But before we tell anybody this person that we have a great crew that puts together these awesome highlights, you got to watch for number 51. That's all I'll say. I'll let you take it from here, Todd. Yeah, I, I love the nitty-gritty of scouting, right? Like late in, the, late in the process, I'm getting ready to print my book, Kuiper, and i got to scout the calls and says, you've got to watch Jason Poe. Remember, he's number 51 here. Look at that dude. Now, understand this. He's from Mercer College. He was an offensive lineman at Mercer. He's getting evaluated by NFL teams as a guard slash fullback. <laughs> yes, you heard me right. I didn't, I didn't mess up there. A guard slash fullback. Why? Because he destroys dudes on poles. He might be the best pole blocker in this draft. He's 6'1", 310 pounds. I want you to imagine my height. I'm 6'1". I was. I'm probably about six foot now. But my height and added about 110 pounds to my frame. And this guy's a, a bowling ball out there. Great body control, blowing up defenders in, in the tape. I watched two games of him and quickly put him in. He was the last name, the last report that I put in this book. I got the book right here. I'm all fired, fired up about Jason Poe. The book just came in today, and he's going to be in there. And when he gets drafted, you're not allowed to talk, Kuiper. Poe's my guy. Now, here's the beauty, too. Where he got discovered by a lot of people, and you know, teams knew about him, but where he really shined was at Georgia's Pro Day. There might be 16 guys on that Georgia team. One of the best defenses we've ever seen, maybe the best defense in the history of college football, plus some really good players on the offensive side. The guy that scouts were leaving there, I had a phone call with a guy who was driving from Georgia to the next Pro Day, and he's on the phone in the car saying, you got to check out Poe. Poe just stole the show because they were working this guy out. They've never seen it before. A guard who's working out at fullback, and he had great workout numbers. So watch out for this guy. Poe's going to do something in the league. I'm excited for it.
I'm thankful for Jason. That's my cheeseburger and fries on day three, Todd, when he's picked. I got a break in the action. You got 10 minutes on Jason Poe waiting for you, pal. I'm getting lunch. I've, I got the burger and fries and the and the iced tea Beautiful. waiting. Okay, I'm ready to roll. I can't wait until Jason Poe's selected, pal. I can't wait for that 15, 10, 15 minutes. Yeah, I can't wait for that either, by the way. That's remarkable. Remember, you can watch both of them on ESPN across the NFL draft uh, when we get there at the end of April. I'll also be hosting digitally. So if you're watching us on YouTube, you can check us out there as well. As always, we appreciate you guys hanging out with us here and every single Monday. We're always live. Check out Thursday. Thursday this week is a little different. Usually it's audio only, but we are doing a wild, never done before mock draft here that is going to be a snake draft. I'm telling you, it's wild. I got all the experts drafting. You'll be able to not only listen to it Thursday, you'll be able to watch it also. We're going to be on video in the meantime. He's Tom Shay. I'm uh, He's Mel Kuyper Jr. I'm Jason Fitz. Good that I know my name. Thanks for hanging out with us. This has been First Draft. 